You don't have to sneak the promos for the boat in there. We're going to let you plug the boat. Don't worry about it. But, uh, but they're putting us slowly out of business. If you look up and down the New Jersey seaboard, remember Atlantic Islands had a huge fleet back in the day. That was like yeah. Murderer's Row there. Same with Point Pleasant. Cape May. Cape May used to have all these party boats uh, and pro like for hire boats. It's dwindled. It's dwindled because there are uh, the constant overregulation. Uh, we dodged a bullet with this, you know, not to change and jump subjects, but um, they were going to make us slow down because of the whales. I don't know if you heard about that. So, <laughs> wait, but that was another one. It was like another regulation. We had a boat custom built for speed. Now they're going to tell us we can't go fast. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. Hello and welcome to episode number 35 of the NJ Multispecies Podcast. I am your host, Joe Santiago, and as usual, my partner, Chris Pereira, a.k.a. Matt Nelson. You're going back to that? I'm bringing Matt Nelson back. Jesus uh, Christ. We had some plans for an episode tonight, uh, but they got canceled last minute because Jerry Zagorski seemed to throw a match into a can of gasoline and uh, spark a huge debate on the saltwater forum, Chris? Well, uh, technically, I, I struck the match. Uh, <laughs> Jerry just fanned the flames. Um, no, so so we were supposed to have uh, Kevin and Sandy Kennedy on today from South Jersey, uh, catching a lot of nice bowfin and snakeheads, bass. and uh, Unfortunately, uh, they couldn't make it. They had to cancel. Uh, we'll try to get them on at a later time, but... Separate from that, I mentioned something about the striper regulations and circle hooks and all that stuff when I posted uh, last two weeks' uh, episodes, two weeks' episode ago on NJ Fishing, I mentioned that we would, you know, touch on the subject of the striper regulations and the circle hooks and everything, and it, like, blew up to, like, over two, I think... 2,200 views that just keep going up. People keep commenting on it and just everyone has wants to throw their two cents in and stuff. So we're going to so, turn, we're going to do the whole up or, you know, we're going to do the majority of the episode on it. We've, you, we've, uh, you turn, you turn directly into this, uh, calamity here. So that's what this episode is going to be about. Uh, we have Chris Lido or Lido. I'm not exactly sure how he says it, but, Longtime fisherman, uh, fisherman magazine writer, uh, professional saltwater mate. Uh, so he's uh, perfect for this discussion. We have some news, Chris, before we bring him on. Uh, I did. Well, I did notice that, and I'm not sure how long this was up here if I missed it, but it looks like Frank Ruchinski caught a 14 and a quarter inch white perch submitted to the skillful angle. That's pretty cool. You don't, we don't usually see. 
I don't remember seeing too many white perch submitted over the years that I've been uh, looking at it. I don't. Last year there wasn't one. No, I don't think for. I, I'd have to look back honestly, but I don't remember. I know up up by us at least, in Central and North Jersey, it's pretty tough to come across a white perch that's bigger than uh, ten or eleven inches. You get a twelve, thirteen is pretty big. I, I've never seen a fourteen plus personally. And I've always heard that they get them in like the brackish water down South Jersey, but I've never seen someone uh, take a picture of one. And submit yeah, it. Uh, me neither. I've seen uh, Mark Mercer. I've seen Mercer hold one from around my area that's closer. It might be one, but it was never actually measured. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think what uh, mayhem, uh, the activity inside multi-species mayhem has picked up dramatically with fishing pictures. Uh, I love it. I encourage you all to continue posting uh, your fishing pictures. It's awesome. Uh, a lot of fishing pictures. And uh, is it, there's also an uptick in females. Uh, I don't know if you notice that, Chris. There's more females posting fishing pictures in mayhem, which is awesome, too. Uh, if you're not yep. a member of multi-species mayhem, I recommend not joining it. Um, I I wouldn't go in, and if you're in there watching this, I would leave. But if you're gonna stay there, it is kind of cool. Well, let, let's just put it this way: it's definitely not for everyone. Um, if we just made another Facebook fishing page that was just like all the other ones, it'd be kind of a waste of my time. Well, the podcast, um, the podcast Facebook page is still semi-professional, you know. Well, like that, could- that I, I wish people would follow and like that. That'd be great. Um, but that's I don't like think the serious. Yeah, that's like the podcast Facebook page is like the serious side page, but no one looks at that. Like the the circus in the mayhem's where everyone is. No, I mean, I think the way I told, I put it to you earlier uh, today or yesterday, I said basically. Uh, multi-species mayhem Facebook group uh, basically serves the same purpose that like an insane asylum serves to the community. Yeah, basically, the, the 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 nut jobs have to go somewhere, so we go there. That's where we go. Yeah, and all and all the best fishermen are nut jobs. Everyone knows that. There, there's there's basically no rules as long as you're not just deliberately bashing someone over something that has nothing to do with fishing. Then you might get voted out, but. Other than that, you should be okay. It's a good time if you can handle it. Like I said, it's definitely not for everybody. But uh... the thing that's strange, though, like I, I think I said this to you the other day, Andrew still is banned from every fishing page on the Eastern Seaboard. He's probably blocked on Facebook, like by more people than Adolf Hitler himself. But in Mayhem, he's a beloved character, and like they lo- they want it. they want. He was on the phone with me the other day. He's like, "Why the hell do they want me on? I got nothing to talk about. I I, I don't know, Andy. They love you. We all love you. Don't know what to say. Not everyone. no explanation. Not everyone. Uh, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, that kind of uh, it's kind of paints the big picture of what we're trying to get. If you don't like what someone has to say or what someone's characters are, characterisms are, I mean, you just, just block them. The world doesn't revolve around you. If you don't like something, you take care of it on your own. I got ripped for not wetting my hands when I caught some wild trout yesterday. 
Yeah, you some guy like called me an influencer. Fucking... I'm not an influencer either. I'm I'm just I can't believe he called me an inf. I'm not an influencer. I'm just a person in a bedroom on a microphone. I don't know what this is. All right, let's go. So, Chris Lido, uh, let's start. Deuce, can we get him in? Can we cut? Can we cut the show? Yeah. Okay, so we have our guest here for our discussion that we're about to have. Uh, he's been fishing New Jersey since the 1970s. Family owns a pretty well-known boat, the Gambler. Uh, he mates and master captains on the boat. Uh, also been writing in the outdoors world for about 25 years. Uh, we're pretty honored to have Chris Lido on the podcast tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. You should be honored. Joe said your name right. Yeah, you did. It was perfect. Can you say hi to him? Just say hello. Hey, hi. how's everybody out there on the podcast world? We, he was uh, he was he we, was trying to bust my. Are we, cup, hooking, are we hooking and cooking, nailing and scaling them? We have a lot Tell of uh, important a lot of important questions uh, <laughs> to Shoot. ask here. Uh, Chris, where do you yeah. want to start so, here? So basically, Chris, uh, we we had a different episode scheduled. We had a couple from South Jersey that was going to come on. They had to cancel, and at the same time. I had posted something on the NJ Fishing Forum, mentioning that hey, I'm going to touch, I'm going to touch the subject of the striper regulations and the circle hooks and all that stuff since the striper fishing's been so good and everyone's jumping out there, and just that little comment kind of blew up, and so we scrambled today to get someone. Uh, your name came up and. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. This is totally last minute, and uh, we thank you for taking the time to come on here and talk to talk with us about this. Off the cuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the first thing I think we're, we want to touch on is is the circle hooks, and I know there's there's guys that hate them. There's guys that don't mind them. There's some guys like them. I personally, I've been using circle hooks for some different types of fishing for a while now, including some stuff that uh, most guys still laugh at, but I wouldn't be doing it if it didn't work. One of those things is ice fishing. Um, I use circle hooks on my tip-ups ice fishing, and they work like a charm. Nobody believes me. Um, but one of my major points was with the striper fishing is if someone doesn't know what type of circle hook, size circle hook, type circle hook, or how to use it, that circle hook's basically useless in their hands. That's that's interesting. I have used them for ice fishing as well. In fact, one of the largest uh, muskies was on 12-pound flora with a circle hook that we ever caught. It was probably about a maybe a 46-inch tiger at uh, Fernesto. And uh, that was on a, a perch on a perch rig. So circle hooks work great. I started using uh, inline circle hooks uh, early, uh, probably in the early 90s when I started sailing aboard the party boats out of Atlantic Highlands. And they would striper fish in the spring. Not a lot of people do this, but you would anchor up at Romer Shoals and the mates would have little cutoff baseball bats and they would go around whacking surf clamps just chumming the heck out of the surf clamps and you had a, a three-way slider rig 
and it gobble clams and you let it out there. And uh, with the, the bait holder J hooks, we were deep hooking so many, deep hooking so many. And I had uh, gotten a pack of them from from Mustad and I, t- I tried them and I, I, I snelled them. And I didn't do that well. And I'm like, why, why aren't these things working? Like I wasn't getting the hookups. The fish would grab it, start swimming off with it. I'd lock it up, resist the urge to set the hook like Roland Martin. And I wasn't coming tight. So then I started looking at like commercial fishermen who use circle hooks on long lines. Commercial fishermen, long line swordfish. They long line sharks. They long line tuna. They need to hook something and keep it hooked. And they need to deliver their catch live to where it's not swallowed something and they bring it up dead. Well, how do they put it on the line? They use a crimp and that's a ganglion with a little crimp. So the circle hook swings. So I said, okay, I looked up the Homer road loop, knot, super easy. The Rapala knot, another super easy loop knot. And I tried it and bang, it was like a Eureka moment hooking fish. Right there, hook uh, eight ball side pocket, getting them. My hookups were damn near 100% with the loop knot. When I do seminars, I have a 22 aught mustad circle hook. It's a huge hook yeah. that uh, Chris Fisher from o- O-Search sent, and it was uh, it was a prop, but they they did like it's supposedly like a great white hook, and I attach it to a, a length of thick paracord. And I drop it over the end of a card table and then I just pull on it and I do it with a, with a clinch knot. And half the time the hook just kind of, the knot is so stiff on the eye, it just pulls over the table. But when I put a loop on there, that circle hook rotates and bang hooks the edge of the table every time. Now, real quick, these circle hooks that you were using, were they straight eyes or were they angled eyes? Both. I did not experience any, you know, difference in either style. Cause I know what you're talking about that the angled eye is meant to be snelled, yeah. right? but the straight eye is meant to be, you know, either looped on, but I've used both in a pinch. I've had to get the angled ones, which are more readily available and use those right. had, had just as good success with those. Now, but do you see as many missed circle hooks? Uh, hookups with the angled eye snelled on as you do with the straight one? Nope, it's it's identical. And uh, I think a lot of that too has to do with the tackle you're using as well. So if you have a like like the, a stiff high modulus rod and you're leaving it locked in the holder, I think you're right. going to miss more bites on circles than if you have Say a, a llama glass. I'm looking at my llama glass honey over there. A slower action rod that loads up a little bit as that fish pulls. Yeah, what what I've noticed sometimes is, right, let's say you don't have a bait runner and you just kind of loosen the drag a little bit or maybe you don't even loosen it that much and you, and you throw it out there and you know, like, you know, I'm not supposed to set the hook. I'm going to let the fish take it. If that fish takes it and runs hard enough, it's basically doing a hard hook set on itself and that circle hook can rip out the same way as if you yanked it out. Right. I don't find that. I, uh, no. I don't fish uh, a free line. Uh, this past week we were live line in bunkers and um, 
all the all the hookups I got were with the the spinning reel with the bell closed. And just that that initial as they're running and it comes tight and it yanks just because the fish is running, you don't find that that affects no. the hookup. No, okay. I'm using a bigger circle hook than most people. I see a lot of people on the boat come on board with six O's, seven O's. I try to get the biggest ones I can find when I'm right, well, live line. I, I think that's another that's another major mistake that I was going to mention is uh, it's yeah it's harder to to go too big with a circle hook than it to go too small. If you go too right. small, you're really going to see the negative effects of that. I think absolutely. It's that the, they used to say the rule is two hook sizes bigger than your regular J hook. But oh, okay. so, but now you so overall you agree with this law and you like it in place. The circle, yeah, I do. I don't like like to see uh, you know long dropbacks and especially the first couple weeks of our striper season when every fish was over forty inches. So we're letting those fish go, and all of them are hooked on the outside of the mouth and they're able to be easily released. So I don't have a problem. What about the, the what, requirement. what about the snag the snag and drop because that I mean that's always been one of the funnest ways to fish. Uh, everyone did that. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that being eliminated? Well, it creates more work for me. That's for sure. I mean, I have to snag the bait and then put it on the customer's rods. Yeah. But um, last year I did lose a fish. It was probably a forty-four incher. Um, one of the other mates snagged a bunker and had to run and grab a rod from a customer to help him and just left it there and a bass took it. And the hook was, we landed the fish. I remember the guy was on oxygen and was an old timer on oxygen. He could barely reel it in. And the, when the fish hit the deck and that snag hook was in the, like right on the edge of the, 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 where it goes into past the throat. And yeah. I was trying to get it, trying to get it. And that big girl flared her, her mouth, took a swallow, and sucked the whole thing right past that little opening. And she bled out in like two, three seconds. Huh. So I, I'm, I'm pretty against that, that uh, using that method, uh, especially early in the season uh, when all those big fish are around. And, and hey, I'm no, I'm no uh, Bambi advocate. I'm, I'm here to kill some fish and, and, and make some money and get some tips. But uh, with the regulations being what they are, we, you know, we still have, have to, to owe it to ourselves to be conservationists and take care of these fish when we release them. Well, I yeah. think a lot of the guys are saying, right, Chris, they're complaining that they feel they're gut hooking as many fish as they do with J hooks, which well, just means they're not using them right at all. If you're right. right. And that was part yeah. of, yeah, that's part. That was part of my uh, argument. I mean, I wouldn't say argument, but yeah, these guys are complaining that oh, I'm using the circle hooks just like they said, and I'm gut hooking the all these fish. I didn't gut hook as many with the J hooks, blah, blah. and I mean, if they're not using the circle hook properly, like let's say if I went out and I'm snagging and dropping and I'm holding the line in my hand, like I'm holding the rod, I snag a bunker and I'm holding it and I'm, I can feel everything that's happening. And I feel that bass take it. And I set the hook right away. I'm not gut hooking almost any fish. I, I honestly can't remember gut hooking any stripers doing it that way. You put that rod down though. What you said is going to happen a lot of the time. Yeah. But what do people do? They snag the bunker and they open a bale. 
and let that thing swim right. all and over. Then, There's big loops aligned. It's it, you don't you're not tight. You're not right. tight and to the you, fish. That's a bass has a mouth like a freaking giant vacuum cleaner. How it takes about one Mississippi for him to eat an adult bunker. One Mississippi, yeah. and that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think, and then the the main problem I think is the guys are using the circle because they're not using them properly. And I guess that's our main thing here, and that's what we're hoping, you know, through your explanation and through this discussion, anyone that's listening to this can hopefully start to learn how to use a circle hook better and appropriately. And one, you're not, I mean, I know you agree, you're not missing any more hook sets with it. You're not missing any more hookups with the circle hook than with the other hooks if you're doing it properly. And once you hook them, I think they're staying hooked up better than on a regular hook with the circle hook. Oh yeah, they, they find. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, I, I agree on all those points. Chris, uh, well, there's two more kind of pieces of this that Jerry included. Um, one of them is kind of the subject off the circle hooks a little bit. They put these uh, regulations in place, obviously, to bring the striper fishery back that they were worried about. The striper fishery is currently insane. Uh, you could almost walk across the fish, yet the the restrictions continue to get tighter. What exactly is the goal that they're trying to accomplish with this? I am really not certain. I mean, they always say, oh, we're using the best science available. Well, define what is that? You know, it's a, it's a, it's an imperfect, science is a perfect thing in an imperfect world. But um, the, the fishery is definitely healthy. I mean, there were, we, even in the last couple of weeks, we've seen different bodies of fish as they move south. So the, the, the big girls came through. Now we're starting to see the, the 40 inches, the 36 inches. Even uh, this week, we caught our first bonus tag fish, which are 24 to 28 inches. So I'm not really sure why they're hitting the panic button at this point. And at the last striper meeting, when they told us about these emergency regulations that we had to have, which we're fishing under now, they said, well, if you don't like the the regulations, then you're going to have a full moratorium and no bonus tag. And I said, great, like you're basically giving us a choice. We can either have the guillotine or the firing squad. Thank you. You know, yeah. yes, sir, I'll have another. <laughs> but um, I, I do know in speaking to, to some of the old time baymen down in the Chesapeake, there is a bit of a water pollution issue with some of the, the younger, younger the year fish. But up north, the Hudson River stocks, the Delaware River stocks, and the uh, even now the Raritan River, believe it or not, now that some of these dams, some of these dams are coming down on these rivers and stripers are finding them again. I think those are the stocks that are now getting really strong. But uh, Jerry had mentioned that uh, the Chesapeake reporting some kind of low stock was a big, a big piece of this. Right. Uh, Yeah. But then the other, the other thing that's involved was, they want to possibly one of the choices for 2024 is to make the slot bigger on uh, commercial vessels, not commercial, but pay to fish vessels like yours, party books and 
Uh, that's a controversial subject. I think you're the per- uh, perfect person to talk about it with because you work there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, we're going to get our fish, whether we we get them in an hour or two. I'm going to work hard to make sure that my customers have something to show for their efforts. And uh, they they basically set a precedent with the bluefish regulations. Uh, charter boats and party boats are able to keep five, whereas private boats and shorebound anglers are able to keep three. So you're seeing a precedent where uh, the interest of like the, the party boats and the charter boats is being protected. Uh, and, and I'm happy about that. Um, even to, to go as far as looking at what happened with Fluke and how we petitioned the, the Secretary of Commerce and we got those regulations adjusted. So I think politicians are starting to see that fishing in New Jersey has a real big impact on the tourism dollar. So we're, we're able to keep a few more fish than, say, someone who, who bought a boat and paid for a free saltwater registry. Because we're absolutely hammered with with fees. I mean, we need a fillet sea permit. We need an HMS permit for mahi. We need a permit to fish for fluke and cod off three miles. So we're we are getting nickel and dimed through the by the government. So it's about time that we do get a few fish back, and and our customers can take home a, a few fish at the end of the day. Um, some of the the guides, you know, that do catch and release, they don't understand. For us, fish fish are food. They're not friends, you know. And we we uh, <laughs> we want to we want a few fish to keep for our customers to take back. Otherwise, we'll never see them again. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like I, I didn't know exactly how I felt about this at first. When you when you first read it, you it's kind of easy to jump up and go, "Oh, what the hell? That's bullshit." But when you think about it and, and you think about how you just put it, I, I'm actually okay with this. I mean, generally speaking, I don't, you know, I don't want the government to add any extra regulations ever. I wish just people, and I've said it before, I wish just anglers would uh, take it up upon themselves to regulate eat themselves individually. Right. Um, but because, you know, he's he's going to have a customer on his boat, right, that maybe hasn't fished in two years, and he loves eating stripers, and this is the first time he's been able to go out and to whatever the case may be. Now, what right does the government have to regulate this guy keep two or fish or three right. fish if he wants three fish? It, it's just kind of ridiculous. But the other side of that coin is – a lot of people can't be trusted to regulate themselves and there's a lot of greed and whatnot. But so I understand, obviously there has to be regulations. Um, but you know, if you think about them getting a bonus fish or what, is it a extra fish or a, a bigger slot or what is, what's it? Yeah. The bonus, the bonus tags, which are the unused commercial quota are fish between 24 and 28 inches. As soon as they're caught, uh, the tag goes in its jaw. But the, private anglers can have that, too. They can, can buy those. Yeah, they can get those via the New Jersey Division of Fish and Wildlife uh, page. Yeah, they can but get those tags. And I'm okay with that, too. I know guys have problems with that, too. Like, that's just – that's actually helping 
the fish population. I think yeah. it's well, helping grow, you know, bigger fishes. Yeah. But I'm I mean, how about, do you even? We're not, we're not using that much of that quota. It's about 12 to 17% of the allocation. So the bonus tag is they're, they're not, they're not taking a lot of fish out of the, out of the biomass with that. Yeah. Plus those fish aren't that old anyway. But what I was, what I was trying to get to is the proposed regulation that's going to allow it the for higher boats is it that they're going to be allowed yeah. to keep an extra fish per person or is it a bigger slot for what they yeah c and e c and e were the two proposals i have them uh here but c and e were the two proposals so you've got uh option c is uh, a vessel and shore angler is one fish 28 to 31 and then for higher is one fish 28 to 33. So it gives us an extra two inches. I like that option versus option E where the private vessel shore angler, and this is where my surf fishing experience kind of comes into play. The private vessel shore angler under option E would only be able to keep one fish at 30 to 33. So it's even narrower. And you're punishing surf anglers who oftentimes see a 20 a 28 inch fish is like the fish of the day for them so i i don't like e and and i think c is is the most fair and it doesn't pu punish the private boat and shore angler while still providing charter and party boats with an extra couple inches in that slot so that their new anglers the neophytes the people with the rental rods holding the spinning reels upside down and reeling um, can keep a couple fish at the end yeah, of the you day. Know, I, there'll, there'll be guys that won't be able to look past the unfairness of this, but I, I'm totally okay with the for hire boats, like there being an extra incentive to for people to go on them. And it's a big part of the industry in, in total. I mean... I think I'm totally fine with that. I mean, as far as it's basically a pick your poison type of thing, but uh, we know guys like that, like guys like Ken Lazerchek. I mean, he has his own 20 foot boat down there in Keyport and he's always out on party boats. Some days he just jumps on a party boat. Yeah. Gets too rough for your 22 footer. Mine that the game, you know, the gambler's 90 feet long with a 26 foot beam and four turbo diesels come on aboard in eight foot seas. There'll be no problem. <laughs> you, don't have, so, you don't have to sneak the promos for the boat in there. We're going to let you plug the boat. Don't worry about but, it. <laughs> uh, but they're putting us slowly out of business. If you look up and down the New Jersey seaboard, remember Atlantic Highlands had a huge fleet back in the day. That was like yeah. murderer's row there. Same with Point Pleasant. Cape May. Cape May used to have all these party boats uh, and like for hire boats. It's dwindled. It's dwindled because there are the constant overregulation. Uh, we dodged a bullet with this, you know, not to change and jump subjects, but um, they were going to make us slow down because of the whales. I don't know if you heard about that. So, <laughs> wait, yeah. that was another one. It was like another regulation. We had a boat custom built for speed. Now they're going to tell us we can't go fast. You know, so yeah. it's always something that we're we're fighting for, and we have groups like United Boatmen. And the party boat association and things like that that kind of keep keep an eye out for the industry. And uh, most of this stuff that falls on you guys, would you say it's more federal or more state? It's more. It's more. Uh, it's the Atlantic states 
uh, Marine Fisheries Council and NOAA. Okay. Uh, the state just kind of goes along with whatever they're told. But the circle hook rule in itself is an actual federal regulation, right? Well, if you think about it, uh, striped bass fishing in federal waters is illegal. So it's more of a state regulation. The what, EEZ, what the what federal, federal waters begin at the EEZ at three miles and go out to 200 miles. So that's yeah. our, so it's oh. not a federal mandate. It is, it is for sharks and things like that for pelagics, but the state really um, mandated that circle hook requirement. So that all the states that are within the migratory route of the striped bass just all kind of agree under these organizations that this is, oh, we're going to do the circle hook. Rule. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they have a lot of people who are used to thinking for, for themselves. And uh, I'm going to get in hot water, but before I came to work for the gambler, I worked for Fish and Wildlife and I worked up at PQuest and I did uh, the clean vessel program and I got to know a lot of biologists and law enforcement officers, which is a, a good thing. And, um, yeah, they, they really, you know, they, they keep the data. They're really good at keeping the data. But when it comes to, like, new proposals and new things, I think they just kind of follow the herd. Yeah, and then obviously that's uh, not always going to uh, <laughs> come out with an appropriate no, result. No, no one's ever happy, you know. It's like, no, it's, well, yeah. Yeah, I get, well, you can't make everyone happy, that's for sure, but. Can I? Can you show that shirt? That shirt's cool. Gambler sport fishing. Show me the sleeve. Oh, look at that shirt, Chris. That's cooler than our shirt. They're the uh, not, performance, not performance, performance tees. Oh, that's and, one of those uh, like uh, UV performance shirts with the, yeah, oh, that wicking man. material, and uh, it hi red hides the blood real good, right? Because we 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 kind of we kind of like it when the decks run red, you know. <laughs> Chris, listen, hey, I, you I don't have to wash your shirt. <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on, especially last minute. You really helped us put this together. Uh, what do you want to get out there? Any info you want to make sure you get out? No, I mean that the, the fisheries, the, the fishing on New Jersey is alive and along the coast is alive and well. Um, fluke fishing with the new slot limit that, the two fish between, you know, 17 and 18. It worked out so well for us. People got to keep a few fluke that they, you know, they're how down do you, there. How do, you think that's, how do you think that's looking for next year? You think that has any chance of staying? Yeah, status quo. I think that's oh, yeah? going to nice. be status quo. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. But uh, we're gearing up. We got like stripers coming up. And um, one of my favorite fisheries is offshore sea bass fishing. And that's going to go in, in November and December. How many guys you fit on the gambler? Uh, she's licensed for 149, but we limit capacity to around 45 or 50. So on tuna trips, we limit it to 20 because everybody you, gets a bunk. Do you charter the boat? Uh, we do some private charters, yeah. What's the minimum number on a charter? 30. 30 people. There's oh, your number. Folks. We could do yeah. that. So if we get if we get fifty guys, we could charter the boat, no problem. Yeah, if yeah. we got the data available. There you go. If we have the there data available. 
you know, keeping in mind that like June, July, and August summers are like, you know, kind of out. Well, we're we're specifically thinking of the offshore sea bass because guys yeah. have asked us already. Yeah, yeah, oh. we're gonna do every every Sunday into Monday Monday from next Sunday on through December. That's cool. Yeah, they're big humpbacks. So we do 40, 60 mile uh, wrecks. We leave the dock around eleven o'clock. We take a, a nice slow boat, slow boat out, you know, and get to the spot around daybreak, you know, maybe a little earlier, and uh, and lump up on those things. And there's a weak fish on the bottom out there. How deep is it? Two hundred to two hundred fifty feet. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Is it? I've never, so I've never, fi- I love fishing for sea bass, but I've only done it inshore. I, you know, I use it light jig and I'm catching sea bass and it's a blast. Is it still fun to fish for them that deep too? Or is it sure. just kind of. Yeah. You can catch them on jigs too. You catch them on butterfly jigs. Yeah. <laughs> There's not too. Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean. What do you have? Like a 26 ounce spro? <laughs> yeah. Those, those, uh, you know, the, the little the, the butterfly jigs, you know, that this, the, the faceted jigs get down real quick i mean let's face it sea bass don't put up a great fight but it's one of my favorite fish to eat i make a mean sea bass ceviche and it's phenomenal yeah it's phenomenal yeah but uh i really yeah the the boat is awesome uh the fishing's good if we could just you know kind of stick to our guns here and, and all stay together you know i know people over this striper thing are gonna you know, jump down our throat. And then they say, well, it's the commercial guys. Well, there's, you know, it's the commercial guys have families to feed too. So like stop blaming the commercial guys too, because they're just trying to make a living as well. So um, I had a good time on this podcast. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. And thank uh, you. Thank thank you you. for being here, man. Thank you. We really, we really appreciate this. It's great. Like, yeah. I saw some of your your older ones and watched them. Uh, RVTA. I, I grew up in Clinton, you know, so I grew up right in between Spruce Run and Round Valley. And uh, those circle hooks, inline circles, amazing on hybrid stripers, trolling herring. Yeah, there you go. I mean, and, and I fish locked in the holder. And you know what else? Um, they're really. I don't know if you ever. You ever fished for the hybrid stripers like late into the fall where you just kind of chum them up on uh, liver and shit? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I fished a uh, Pakong and done that, yo. Yeah, I, I <laughs> won't do that without circle hooks either. And, and, yeah. and it pisses me off anyone that doesn't because, like, those fish inhale that on impact. Oh, yeah. yes. Cat food and liver. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, here yeah, he goes. This is Chris. This is the problem with every episode. He does what? this. You say he says goodbye, and then he talks to you for another half an hour right. about something right. else. So just just to be clear on the circle hooks, anyone who's never used them or is having trouble using them, what are the main main keys? Just before we head out, so you need you need awesome. one that's definitely big enough. Don't go small on the circle hook. Make sure you go up a couple sizes if you're. You have trouble. to use the proper knot. You can't just use any knot. Tie a loop knot in there. I mean, with the bent eye, I think you could get away with snelling it. Mm. But I, I think I got to agree the loop. I, I, I snell the bent eye a lot of times just out of laziness or whatever. But the straight eye, you have to tie a loop knot, in my opinion. Yeah. The snelling the straight eye is, is just recipe yeah. for disaster. And it's got to be the inline. The offset circle hooks are absolutely useless. 
Right. Like volleyball in gym class. Let it rotate. Rotate. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. Let it, let it find the mark. And, uh, yeah, everyone have a great and uh, successful season. And, uh, yeah, uh, congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Oh, Thank yeah. you. It's awesome. Thank right. you, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good night. Good night. Take care. See you. Bye. All right. So he was awesome. I want one of those shirts. Uh, if we get the Seabash charter on that boat uh, for the group, Maybe I could get one of those shirts. I mean, you could buy one, I'm sure. sure. If they sell them, I'll buy one. I don't care. I'm oh, just I'm sure. The only shirt I'm not buying is Fishmonger because he's mean to me. <laughs> not buying a Fishmonger shirt ever. He's not mean to you. He just forgets. I don't know. He was mean. He hurt my feelings. <laughs> he was my hero. Uh, we are going to have another guest on uh, real quick. Um, this is going to be Pete from Battle Creek Baits. Pete makes all the rubbers that Lake Pack-On Guide Service is currently using to throw, uh, uh, to catch all those big walleye they're posting. Uh, Chris, you had a chance to go out fishing with them last week and, uh, actually use some of these baits. I actually did not use any of them. That particular day, we were doing a lot better with metal. But I did get to see the baits, and I'm trying. I, you know what? I think, I think Aaron's other buddy that was with us, uh, one of his other, uh, I guess, guides in training, uh, he did get a nice one on it, on one of these like, uh, these. Di- it was a very different style of of plastic. I'd never really seen anyone use uh, that for what we were doing. I'm sure he'll have them. So when, when you get him on here, he, he can tell you it, just the shape of it. It, wa- it wasn't a paddle tail. It wasn't a grub tail. It wasn't, it wasn't a fork tail plastic, nothing like that. It was, it was, it was like a weird bulbous leech looking thing. It was, was it the picture cool. I saw on Facebook of that real fat thing? And then Max tried to 3d print a replicate one. Is that yeah, what it was? It's like, it kind of looks like one of those leech, lures and it's got like a i saw fatter, it. yeah. like it's like yes. a thicker flat body like a ribbed body and it's got a little tail with like a little bulb on it almost that thing it, looked cool Did i don't you... know i don't know if it's the official name but aaron just kept referring to it as a floppy dick oh my god somebody I mean, I... somebody was just telling me they're looking for somebody to make them a plastic chicken liver that just never comes off and it, you just keep respraying it i think they want steve to, from signal 11 to make the chicken liver spray you just keep i think you'd they, be better off with like a gel no i don't know yeah we need some chicken liver jelly that we're actually probably be better off with like a blob sponge that looks like it and then you just saturate it in in some kind of synthetic liver juice could do that too uh yeah but he was a really cool guest uh chris Oh, I didn't show the picture either. Uh, he missed. Uh, it. Can you show what's the one of his old articles? And it's got this a picture. From, of this you? was Chris Chris Lido from 2012 when uh, an article that. he hold, did. Hold on. that still for a second because we're gonna cut that still frame and I'm gonna post that everywhere. Why? Because it's a dead trout. No, just because you look so different. I was a young kid. I'm freaking 20 years ago. You're a chubby young kid. A chubby. So yeah, so are you. All right, so uh, Deuce, let me know when you have him, 
Uh, Chris, other than that, how about uh, John Dorn? What's he been up to? What's John Dorman up to? It looks like he's been catching uh, some bass and a lot of other species in the mix as well. Some nice crappie. He just continues to be one of the greatest walleye fishermen in New Jersey on accident. He just yeah. slaughters walleye on accident. Well, hey, right. you target smallmouth and walleye pretty much the same way this time of year. So Yeah, I guess. He, he does catch some big ones, though, too. He says he throws 30 inches back, too. You don't believe him, but I, I, I think... Nah, nah, yeah. Throw no 30 inches back. At the I don't know. John, if you're watching, show them the 30s. Yeah, you, if you catch a 30-inch walleye and you want me to believe it, that fucking thing better be on a tape measure. All right, so my next get, our next guest is Pete uh, from Battle Creek Baits. This is the man that makes all Aaron Graybill. Uh, I talk about Aaron Graybill like he's Snoop Dogg now. Uh, this is the guy. This is basically Snoop Dogg's joint roller. Uh, it's his personal rubber bait man. Uh, Pete, I don't even know your last name. I just know your Battle Creek Baits. Uh, we're happy to have you here. Appreciate it, boys. What's going on? My last name's Capuano. A lot of guys nicknamed me Cappuccino, if you can't pronounce it. so Pete, Pete Cappuccino is here. All right, Chris. Uh, well, Joe screws up a lot of people's names, but uh, you just made it real easy on him, I guess. I forgot the real one already. Capacucci. I already yeah. don't remember it. Pete Cappuccino. We're going with that. Um, yeah, Pete. So I, I was fishing with Aaron uh, last week, and uh, his buddy was throwing. And now I don't know if this is the actual name of the lore of the plastic, but they just kept referring to it as the floppy dick. <laughs> and unofficial. So that's not going to be the name on the bag. No, no, I don't think a lot of sports shops would like that one. Probably not. How do you actually is how do you obtain Battle Creek baits currently if I wanted some? Um, right now I'm across a couple of shops up in New York. Um, I'm in Stokes. I'm trying. I've have been in Dow's on Hapakon. Aaron and uh, Kevin actually recently helped me get into. I'm going to be in Ramsey's off of Route 10. Nice. Um, that's going to probably happen somewhere around March or February, but right now I'm pretty much online through Etsy. Um, either, before that I was doing a lot of wholesale with uh, a distributor and that didn't work out too great. So through fate, I guess you want to call it, Aaron kind of popped into my world through Max and Jeremy. You know, I don't know if you guys know Max from the knee deep club, but he's on the junior Bassmasters. I've known him since he was 11. So trying to help out a kid ended up turning into a relationship with Aaron and Kevin. He f is that he fishes with uh, Mike Iconelli's son. Is that him? Yes. Yep. Okay. That's uh, Vegas and Max. Yep. The two. Yeah. Of them. They like they like dominate the uh, junior bass fishing uh, divisions. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. The first year, I think Max and uh, Vegas took ninth. And this year they had a devastating hit. They lost, I think, two or three like six pounders right at the boat and took 26th or 29th. But th that's that's nationally though. Locally, yes. they they just crush everything. Oh, abs absolutely. They're top three, like usually one all the time. But yeah, that's cool. Now that's your uh, is that your mad laboratory that you're sitting in there? It looks like you're in some sort of a torture chamber. <laughs> yeah, you called it that last time. Yeah, that, this is this is the shop. Um, basically, I'm one of the kind of homebrew kind of guys. I started out in my garage, and I'm still here, but. I'm slowly spreading out, and uh, 
Aaron and Kevin kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone because I was pretty much steelhead, uh, you know, trout. That was my passion. I'm a big pinhead. But, um, yeah, oh, I started making these baits. Oh, and that first walleye that you saw Aaron posted on his page, that monster, he didn't kind of divulge the secret yet. But that, uh, what'd you call it, floppy dick or whatever it was, yeah. was what that what was what that eight pounder was caught on. How many, Joe? How many times can we say floppy dick in one episode before we get like some kind of rating? I don't think Jerry likes the curse word, so I don't say any of that I stuff. Think flo- the guy's lure is called floppy dick. I don't think that's cursing. No, he said unofficially he's not I mean, calling it that. Ramsey Outdoor is not going to put that on their shelf. Listen, I, I fished with Aaron for about three hours, and he said the word floppy dick about 27 times. Yeah, I don't want to know what he said at all. I don't even care. Pete, do you take so do you do custom stuff? I can. I usually the work with I've worked with everybody from anywhere to Montana. I have baits out in Alaska, Colorado, California. Everybody has come to me to kind of like ask what they really fish with out west, and they've done really well. And what about saltwater? Uh, you make bigger baits. I can. Um, Everything for me right now is limited by molds. So if you came to me and said you want a big striper lure, whether it be a fluke, a eel, um, I actually have a mold behind me if you're interested in seeing. But uh, a buddy of mine wanted, I think they're 10 or 12-inch eels. Yeah, we'll see it. That'd be cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a beast. But it's uh, the stuff that it pretty much is your imagination. I mean, whatever you can come up with, we can make or we. I can make, but um, basically it's just time, you know, so it's, this is the, I mean, you can see compared to my chest, but that's an eel mold. Wow. So and you get, you get these custom made or you, you have, you buy these. Um, I buy these. These are pretty much anybody can go and purchase these if you want. Um, you can have custom molds made, but between the CAD drawings, and cnc time you're talking big time money usually around a thousand dollars a mold now what about scent or is your stuff scented at all i can do anything you guys want um pretty much my go-to because of the trout world is anything with garlic or anise i'm a big fan of both i know Um, steelhead love that anise shit yep i mean it to me it smells like bad zambuca but smells like licorice yeah licorice licorice. Yeah, they but, do love it, though. I don't know. It makes no sense at all. Why would a rainbow trout like licorice? It's just weird. It is. They like garlic. Why and who the hell figured garlic? that out? Like, who who was the first person that said, let me try some licorice for this rainbow steelhead? Like, who did it? Probably the same person that first tried to eat a lobster off the ocean floor. I mean, yeah, that's it's all kind of weird stuff if you think about it. All right, so Pete, if someone watching this podcast right now wants to get some Battle Creek baits, like where do they go? What should they do? Should the they easiest, the easiest thing for me um, right like, now? Right, because so- I want that thing. Chris is flopping around, and I have none. How do I right. get? What's Just, it called? It, <laughs> not saying it. the uh, the the floppy leech. We'll call it for this video. But um, the easiest way to get my baits right now until the transition's over is just email me at battlecreekbaits at gmail we'll hit a quick conversation and whatever you want if you have some wacky crazy colors you like i pretty much have i mean it's literally sky is the limit when it comes to colors and anything you could think of we can come up with all right i'll just have billy white come just grab some stuff for me 
Hey, whatever I, you want. I definitely want those floppies. I'm yeah. just I'm gonna go fishing with Aaron and just steal a couple of packs. That's what I'm gonna do. He has plenty. He has plenty. He can spare them. Yeah, I'm sure he's he stocked. He up. mentioned uh I don't know if you started making me you were gonna make like a smaller version of that too. That yep. Um a lot of guys, I don't know if you follow the bass fishing uh tournaments or whatever, but I have these days. But this guy, this is the skinnier profile. This is a like a drop shot minnow, it's about four yeah, inches yeah. long. So that's a skinnier profile. And then Aaron, we're hoping to acquire. It's a three and a quarter. It's the exact same mold, just smaller. Yeah, well, when I saw him using that, I said that that'd make a that'd make a pretty badass drop shot. Yeah. You live uh like kind of close to Bill White, right? Um, Bill, he is actually he's a good ways from me. Bill's in oh, was it Saddle River or whatever, but we work in Jersey City together. Oh, okay. So that there you go. That's how I could get my stuff by being lazy. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah can, just... I'll bring it to him, he'll bring it to you. Uh Pete, I, I want to thank you for taking your time tonight to come on here. Um I'm fishing with Aaron Wednesday, so I'll be using some of that stuff. If it's any good, I'll call you. If you don't hear from me, it was horrible. And I'm <laughs> not, not interested. But I do appreciate you coming on. I I really do. Look forward to the next time, buddies. All right, man. All right, thanks. All right, guys, be good. Take care. Okay, so uh that seems pretty cool um yeah you know it's 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 nice to uh it's nice to be able to get any color combination you want from lore right yeah without making it yourself that's the only way that's going to happen is either that or or you settle for what's sitting on the shelf so you know what it is too as much as he said like well anybody could buy this mold like certain guys have certain styles and there's molds he has that other people don't have and then there's molds they have that he doesn't have so sometimes you might have to bounce between a few of these guys to get your bag filled with what you want uh but i think it i think it's cool to be able to buy it from like these are local jersey guys that are making this stuff right here yeah and uh and it's not it's not more expensive it's it's actually usually less expensive than a lot of these like high name brand stuff. Oh uh, yeah, um, it usually is. You're right. And it some of it's more durable. Yeah, well that's the other thing I was gonna say. Like, yeah, he, he so let's say he has a mold that okay, you could buy this mold from someone. Eight hundred other people could have that same mold. But whatever he's doing in the plastic, you have and I've I've dabbled in this before. I, I've made some of my own plastics and stuff. I don't know if you ever messed around I, with it. I, I know nothing about and that. Basically, either. you have the plastisol, which is what you're melting to get into that consistency to then color it and then you use it. But you're you can add all different stuff to it. You can add salt con, uh, concoctions, you add softener, hardener. And you're getting the consistency of the plastic, like two, three, four guys, different mold uh, lures are ne- not going to be the same consistency. They're going to be different. Whatever, however it is, they've figured out how they want it to be. It's going to be like one guy's might be softer. Another guy's might be a little tougher, might not have as much action, but sometimes that might be good. Sometimes it'll have more action and that might be good. And uh, all these guys are going to be different. It, and it just, when you're dealing with these, like you, it sounds like you can email Pete and 
say like, hey, can you make this lore with these two colors and make it extra supple, like softer? Like, I don't care if it's going to be a little bit more fragile. I want it to be. And he'll, it sounds like he could, he's going to do that. Like he can do whatever you want, basically. Make the adjustments. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go watch football. Uh, I'll give a special shout out to Katie yeah. Lynn. Katie Lynn caught her first striper. She vomited her brains out, uh, but she did it wearing a suffer for the fish shirt, so it's well deserved. Uh, we're we're very proud of her. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, she didn't puke as much as as Luke puked. That's not possible, from what I've heard. I've heard Luke can puke three times his own body weight, which I don't even know. I don't know where he gets it from. But... Puked so much. And I hope he's listening to this and laughing. He's definitely listening to it. He so puked. I'm not even joking. This is not an exaggeration. He puked every 20 to 30 minutes for about 10 hours straight, except for like a one hour period that he didn't. And to his credit, though, this was an amberjack jigging trip two hours offshore and out of North Carolina. And during that hour where he almost kind of felt better like, and he didn't puke for that little hour window in the middle there, he got his ass up and he jigged uh, at least one, maybe two amberjack and caught his first amberjack. And anyone who hasn't fished for those, it's basically like catching a tuna. They fight just as hard as a tuna. You got to jig them down off the, off the bottom of not super deep water, but, you know, 80, 100 foot water, 150, something like that. You're jigging these fish up, and they're, they they bulldog you, and they fight like a tuna. It's it's tough. And to his credit, in between all that puking, he was able to do that, and then he kind of went back down and continued puking, I think. But um, <laughs> He's earning the nickname Ralph now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we'll be back next week as usual. Uh, Chris, you want to say goodbye to everyone? Um. No, not really. You can do it. I'm not doing it either. I'm mad at everyone. You're mad at everyone for what? I'm not saying why. Is it because you got bashed for holding a... a nah, I went over that. I don't care about those tree huggers. Uh, Andrew still called you a bunch of Karens. <laughs> he said he has no time for waste book. <laughs> I mean, he seems to enjoy himself on there. He loves it. Loves every minute of it. Because this is finally the first group ever that he's like been accepted. I don't know. I put it that far, but I, I won't boot him. I, I can't. Never. I enjoy it too much. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> All right, we'll see everyone next week. All right, take care, guys.